Westlop Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowski. Well, guys, as we record tonight, we are two weeks to the day away from our annual live NFL draft pod that uh, we do with our friends over at Winning Cures Everything. Um, always just, you know, madness and chaos, and it's the first round of the NFL draft that we talk about and kind of break down live as it happens and maybe have a few adult beverages, you know, while we do that. And uh, we stream it live on on YouTube, um, youtube.com slash Winning Cures Everything. Uh, so up on their feed, and we'll re- release the audio on, on our feed here uh, at Westlaw Pirates. So always a good time. Um, this is the first first round that I'm actually just going to be chill and relaxed because I don't have to worry. My first round pick, the Broncos' first round pick is Russell Wilson. Yeah, and it's funny, the... Uh... The yeah, and bless you. So that's right, Sammy. You you don't have to worry about whether or not your team's going to draft a certain quarterback at, <laughs> at what point. Like other pirates, I'm not going to mention any any names. Um, the but it is. I mean, it's always unhinged. It always goes forever. You can follow. I mean, we record it, so you can listen to the, to the pod of it the next day or the day after, whenever if you want to. But you can also jump in live and watch it live with us, and it's streaming. It's it's streaming on video. Our boy Gary for Winning Cures Everything sets the whole thing up. Um, it's we've done this. How many years now have we done it? Three, four. With them, I think four. Yeah, right. and we and we've been doing it ourselves before that, but it's it was it was unhinged before we started doing it with them. Now it's beyond unhinged. Sometime four hours in, Chris Giannini was telling us where Tom Brady was going to put his tenth. His eleventh Super Bowl ring. Uh, I'm not going to go I, into any more. <laughs> I didn't quite remember that commentary the next morning, and my my, my goals <laughs> maybe be a little less uh, boozy by the end of the thing. We'll see. Yeah, and of course, I mean, last year was a, a crazy situation because we had, you know, we knew we were going to have two cats drafted in the first round, but it is they are, you know, our call them our Mississippi brothers from other mothers. We love these guys. We just love doing this with them every year. We are, these are two guys from Northern Mississippi, Memphis area who are, could not be more plugged into the SEC and SEC football and, and really, and just kind of the podcast and sports world in general. Um, And we are talking with these guys all the time about everything. And we, you know, we all just look forward to this every year and it gets more fun every year. So yeah. Join us. It is going to be awesome. Uh, speaking of first round draft, yeah. um, Veronica Burton, number seven pick overall to the Dallas Wings. Um, congratulations, first of all. I mean, that that's awesome. And for her to go to Dallas, uh, it's a really interesting backcourt scenario that kind of sets up there. Um, but, but, but before we number get... seven overall, before yeah. we even get there. Yeah, it's just it was awesome. Well, and I like we were all texting each other. The, the the final ESPN mock draft, I think had her going first, uh, first pick of the second round, and which I like that still would have been wonderful for her and her career and her family. But um, I think we were feeling like, oh man, that'd be a little bit of a little bit of a letdown. And then to see Dallas uh, jump in there at number seven, just just fantastic. It was like, you know, just a one of these 
celebratory Northwestern moments online as everyone jumped in to congratulate uh, Burton herself, her family. Um, you had the New England Patriots, uh, and and I guess there was a what seemed like an interestingly, I'll, I'll call it a scripted phone call, maybe from from Tom Brady. I mean, clearly pre-recorded. Yes, um, which is fine. Like uh, it's all good, but just like yeah, it was a celebration, and that's that's awesome. That's that's what you want that to be. Um, her career at Northwestern was so iconic, so impactful. And, um, this was just the cherry on top. And now, you know, we all get to continue to watch her play at the next level. She, you know, you mentioned the backcourt situation. Um, I was quick to point out that, uh, Arike Ogumbawale, um, former Notre Dame player, national champion in college, um, was the leading scorer. And I think the leading assister on, uh, on Dallas last year, but um, you got to think that their their games are going to play together pretty nicely as, as Burton will be able to help open up scoring opportunities uh, and, and deliver excellent passes as she is wont to do uh, to Arika. So that's really, really exciting. Absolutely. I think it's, you, you can almost dovetail it with the, her boyfriend, Greg Newsom's situation, getting drafted in the first round of the NFL draft in that people project all day, right? Project when, um, guys and girls are going to get drafted, um, it, you know, higher, lower, etc. But when the rubber meets the road, you want to be someone who does one particular thing better than everyone else does. Because at, at the end of the day, teams are drafting for need. And if teams are being like, well, we know we can cover this need with that individual. And obviously, Newsom was the best pure on ball cover corner in the draft, right? And Burton is the best. I mean, ESPN called her the best defensive guard the WNBA has had come into the league in years, right? Three time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And that is just such a skill set, right? Where when you look at it in hindsight and you're like, top of the second round maybe makes sense when you're like, you know, viewing it from afar. But when you're actually in the moment, you have all these teams drafting for need. And, and to Scuzz's point, you have a team like Dallas who's like, oh, we can just draft a shutdown guard like who just locks down. We'll just put her on the other team's best perimeter player for the entire game. And then, you know, Erica Agumwale, to your point, is going to be able to shoulder that offensive load. I mean, it's just a huge, it's a huge chip to have to be like, oh, yeah, I'm the best defensive guard to come into your league in years. And that's what she is. So, and, you know, the reviews, it's, it's, I, I would say, right. It's a rare situation when you have a player get drafted higher than most people expect and the, and the response is universal praise, right? I mean, that, that just so rarely happens. But in this case, everyone's like, yeah, great job. <laughs> she, we, we thought she was going to go lower. You do you. How can you go wrong drafting a three-time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year? And that it is. It's so awesome. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see what she does with Dallas. Yeah, and um, you know the Wings do come to Chicago to play the Sky uh, in at some point in June, I believe. Um, so for all those of you in the Chicago area who want to come out and, and cheer on your girl, um, even though she'll be wearing the other team's colors, you know it's still a great opportunity to come, you know, see her live one more time. Uh, so that's very very exciting. Congratulations uh, to Veronica and uh, the whole Burton family. Um, 
Yeah, really quickly, while we're mentioning the Burton family, <clears throat> there's that video that's making the rounds of Ginny and Steve Burton reacting to Veronica getting drafted, and it it's just it's everything you want. It's everything you want for the Northwestern family. I mean, just watching Veronica Burton's mother, you know, sh- just being like, I'm still shaking, right? I mean, she's crying and just being like, just shaking. And they're both just kind of, I mean, not in shock, right? Um, but just this is a moment that, that their daughter's, you know, their daughter's life has been building toward this moment for so long. And just it's, it's all coming true for her. And it's just every, it's just all the feels. It's everything you want to see. So. Just, just the best of luck to her, and congratulations to the whole family, like you said, Sam. Uh, let's talk about last weekend. Um, Roof club! So- yeah, softball and <laughs> uh, and lacrosse. Um, no softball, r- softball and lacrosse took two teams and put them on the roof. That's what <laughs> yeah. they did. Uh, no additions to the roof club last weekend because they were in Columbus. That's, but, uh, that's right. I'm thinking of uh... <laughs> does, you're thinking what, the weekend before. Does the, yeah, yeah. The, does the scoreboard club count? Because Maeve, Maeve put one off the scoreboard. If you know, if that counts, Maeve Nelson, who is a member of the roof club, added the scoreboard club to her resume. Uh, you know, taking three from Ohio State, twelve to three, nine to eight, and seven to one. Um, you know, Saturday was rained out, so they played two on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, just offensively annihilated Ohio State. <laughs> um, they they were know, down in that 98 one, right? Like the Cats had to kind of come back and it was just, it was, it was the no, thumpers. They, they, no, they, they put up six in the fourth and were up uh, seven to four. Uh, okay, okay. Went up, okay. Went up had, nine to four. And Ohio State got a grand slam in the sixth inning gotcha. to make it interesting. I had that backwards. Yeah. And then, and then we, then we put Danielle Williams in, and we're like, "You shall not pass." And that's what happened. <laughs> and that was the close game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wh- what do you say? I mean, they are just playing out of their minds, and it it doesn't feel like we're playing out of our minds. You know, like this team feels like. And, and we've talked about this. There, there's something going on here. There's something special. It's a special season. John's yeah. been saying that from the first, from the opening weekend, the opening tournament in, in Florida, and um, yeah, it's it's just true. That's 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 the the softball world we're living in right now. Right. The it's funny to 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 your point, right? Because starting from the beginning of the season, I think because the level of competition at the start of the season was so high, right that there was a little bit of a Cinderella feel, right? Which which I think we're realizing week by week was a misnomer, right? Because, I mean, we tweeted out, this team is a monster. I mean, they're a juggernaut. What don't they do well? I mean, we, we mentioned it in previous weeks that this team was looking to find bats against top pitching and then just everyone, one through nine, decided to start crushing it. So now they're just... But, I mean, this was the this was the week, I think, for a lot of people where it just crystallized, where it's like... I mean, this team is just a monster. They're a juggernaut. That's why they're one of the, you know, depending on the polls you look at, I mean, and some of the, you know, any poll that still has a double digit number next to the Cats is just total BS. This is probably about the sixth best team in the country. Um, and and that's behind, you know, one of the teams they're behind is UCLA, who they beat. So it's, but I mean, this series, oh, oh I mean, we, we talked about it on Twitter Ohio State is good. Like this is a team that was ranked twenty fifth for at least a week or two, right? I mean, they have they, had they, they were they were twenty three and six going into the weekend, right? And I mean that nine to eight, okay. But like as Sam said, like 
that game was never, it got to one run, but it was never that close. We just brought Danielle Williams in and dropped the hammer on him at the end of the game. And the other two games, we massacred them. So, I mean, just, and the the run rule game, five home runs, Rachel Lewis hits two. I, you know, I, I kind of worried when we talked about the run up to the record, I was like, oh, well, as she gets closer to the record, you know, our team's going to start trying to pitch around her or is it going to be a nerve situation? And then her next game, she just comes out and crushes two. So it's like, I mean, they're, they are just absolutely dominating. And you look at the rest of their schedule and it's like, I mean, after Michigan, Ohio State was probably, you know, the second best team and they just destroyed them. So, yeah. They are, I think it's, it's one of those things where they're, it's, it's that, I don't want to say arrived because that doesn't really work. I mean, this team arrived at the first tournament of the season, but they are just stamping their claim on that super regional right now. I mean, they're just, just, just etching it in stone. It seems like game by game. Also shouts to uh, Skylar Schellmeyer, uh, who hits her first career home run in that first game at Ohio state. You know, she's our, or leadoff hitter and speedy, speedy, speedy. Um, but she got into one and, and put it over the fence. And, you know, that, that to see the celebration for her, you know, hitting her very first home run was just really, really cool to watch. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, we've said it before, but you start going through the roster and it's like, I mean, Shellmeyer, Maeve Nelson, Jordan Rudd, right? I mean, Rachel Lewis. It's, it's, I mean, I mean, God, I mean, I don't, I mean, like if I start, it's like Zedak, Nito, you start, you're just going to start listing the entire roster because they can all hit. I mean, it's unbelievable, but yeah, what a, what a flipping team. Oh, we should mention, right. That they, the Indiana, the, the Illinois series would have been played by now. Right. But it got postponed. Yeah. Uh, d- postponed by rain. They're playing that uh, next Wednesday, uh, the 20th, um, you know, starting on Friday, the 15th. Uh, they've got a three-game home set against Purdue. Um, you know, so get out to Sharon Drysdale Field. I, I can't. We cannot emphasize this enough. Like I, I was out there for one of the Michigan games, and it is so much fun. And these ladies are so good. You know, get out th- and like the games were sold out. You know, I had to buy standing room tickets uh, for me and my daughter to go uh, watch that game, and that was just even better, you know, like to, to be able to walk up and say, Oh no, all we have is standing room only. I'm like, hell yeah. All you have is standing room only. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, pe- people are going out and then, and, and seeing them. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. The fans definitely have gotten it this year, which is great because I mean, it's what you want to see. And, and for those of you thinking about going out, understand like the Purdue game, that's already the second to last big 10 series. The cats have it's Purdue. They have a single, a one-off against UIC and then the Iowa series, you know, at the, at the end of April. So it's, yeah, take these opportunities to go and, and watch this, this ridiculous team. Also this weekend, um, you know, lacrosse kept taking care of business. You know, we were talking about, uh, you know, Rutgers uh, ranked number 15 coming in and, uh, you know, game that was close at first, but, you know, the cast just turned it on. 21-13 was the final. And then uh, last Sunday against San Diego State, 20-8. to eight, You know, just uh, an ass whooping. <laughs> that Rutgers game. Uh, it's not often <laughs> It's not often you have a 21-13 to 13 win, an eight-goal win, where you're like, Rutgers got off so easy in this game. 
uh, we shot 50 shots in this game. And, um, I mean, they, they had Rutgers faced 50 shots from Northwestern uh, and career nights from Lauren Gilbert and Jill Girardi. Gilbert with a career high eight goals. Girardi had 19 draw controls, which is just, I mean, it was, and somehow. Rutgers only had 13. Northwestern 25 overall. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and somehow we only, I mean, honestly, this could have been 31-13. It could have been 35-13. And and Rutgers is a good team. So, yeah, they're firing on all cylinders, to say the least. And, uh, you know, this weekend is, is senior day. Um, you know, it's wild to think that because, you know, it feels like this, you know, they've just been getting going. But uh, last home game of the year, uh, Sunday at noon central um, against Johns Hopkins, number 25 ranked Johns Hopkins. Yeah, not not a uh, not an easy game, much like Rutgers was not an easy game. They're going to have to, you know, bring uh, bring the heat here. Um, but this this. This is all a prelude to next weekend, uh, April 23rd, 10.30 in the morning Central Time at Maryland. Yeah. Right, which is a huge one. But again, it's like you're, you know, coming coming out to Martin Stadium, right, and getting a chance to this, you know, Gilbert, Gilbert and Girardi. That's your last chance to see them play at home at Northwestern, you know. So um, if you've got the opportunity, you know, come out. Um April 16th, this Saturday, and, and, and get a chance to watch them. Because, I mean, talk about a special duo, man. And, you know, to shout out baseball, um, which has, has, you know, won five of their last six games. You know, yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry, six of their last seven. Hey, credit where credit's due, because we, we were looking at this team we were at the beginning of the year, and we were like, eh, I don't think we're going to talk much about baseball this year. But um, they, they have they have clearly been improving as the season has gone on. They've got a couple pitchers that are looking uh, pretty sweet. I don't know. Like they're they're I mean, they're eight and one at home. They're four and two in the Big Ten. I mean, that's I mean, yeah, that's only six conference games in. But the you know. The times when Northwestern sitting on a record like that are few and far between in baseball. I mean, winning record overall, winning record in conference. And I think I read, so they're heading into a three-game series with Illinois, um, who is the number one team in the Big Ten, all at Illinois. So that's a, a tough, you know, road to hoe. But they're, I mean, if they, you know, kind of shock them and pull out a, you know, series win there, suddenly you're talking about them being in the discussion for one of the best teams in the conference. So they've... They've played themselves into a situation where they're playing really meaningful baseball this late in the season. Let, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that, John. I mean, let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's uh, see what happens against Illinois. Before oh yeah, we... no, I'm saying, I'm saying it's a big series, but it's just to, to your point earlier, right? Like they're they're giving us something to talk about, right? To to this point in the season, and and being like, hey, they've they've positioned themselves to have these games, you know, really matter. Got a little bit of football news. Um, a big commitment uh, this past week. Northwestern picked up Nigel Glover, uh, the linebacker out of Clayton, Ohio, uh, three-star. Um, you know, was played safety in high school, but looked sounds like he's going to be playing outside linebacker for the Cats. And uh, you know, what what do we know about this kid? Um, speed, right? It's well, it's one of those things, right? Where it's like, is he playing outside linebacker or is he playing inside linebacker? It's that whole 
depends on what kind of scheme we're running, which it's like, I don't even want to go down that road, but the, I'm just, it's kind of stupidly enamored with his film. Um, He just looks really good on tape. Really, really good. He's incredibly fast. He's incredibly fluid. Like you hate to throw out, you know, the Anthony Walker comparisons, but that kind of fluidity and sideline to sideline motion. Um, and then you realize that he's six, three and you know, he's going to be six, you know, if he's a linebacker, you're talking six, three, two, 20, six, three, two, 25. And just, I mean, I, I, again, you know, we said it on Twitter, watch the film for yourself, go to his rivals page and watch the film. He's enormous and fluid and fast and loves to hit. I mean, I, what else, what more do you want? 25 offers, uh, 13 power five offers. Um, so, I mean, it's not like we're, you know, he's been under the radar. It, like he's been recruited well and, you know, for him to come to campus and, um, you know, commit, uh, day after practice, um, it's just awesome. Well, and I think this is, um, I almost hesitated to say it because like, I'm, I'm going to say this full well knowing that like, we need to see it on the field and we need to see it like called correctly. But I think we're getting a clearer picture of, of what Fitzgerald is looking for Jim O'Neill to do. And that's to build a modern defense um, that, that has a lot more speed in the linebacker core, puts a lot more onus on those players. I mean, this is what we saw that Northwestern didn't have the horses in the stable to really execute last season. And, um, and you absolutely need players like this to operate in that type of scheme. So, like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not. I realize there's a long way to go before you can cash any of these checks that 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 uh, I just wrote. But, um, you like, we're starting to see what the thinking was, which was something we struggled with last year, given given the reality is what we saw on the on the field. So, um. You know, take it with a grain of salt because again, we need to see the results, and um, you know that that includes preparation and in-game adjustments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? But this is, you know, this is some evidence of the the intent, certainly. Right, and I think you know, if you, let's say you juxtapose with like um, a Chris Bergen or even an Anthony Walker coming out of high school, right, where um, the speed is there the sideline to sideline players, um, just that, that rangy ability, right. That ability to track down plays and, and erase mistakes and, and make all the plays. And of course, like that's why Walker's doing it on Sundays now, right. Because he had it from the minute he got set foot on campus. Well, one of the ways I juxtapose with Glover. And again, it's like, I, you know, I get hyperbolic with Glover just because again, he's enormous. And that's the thing is it's, you look at the tape and, and it's, and it's really weird because I almost want, you know, he's from Ohio. I'm frankly, I'm honestly shocked that he doesn't have an Ohio state offer. And I'd say that's doubled down. And then like the Washington Huskies offered him like Iowa offered him West Virginia. Like he's got a lot of power five offers. Things like Sam said, 13 of them. So, but he's very large. <laughs> like, I think, you know, you have some guys where it's like, a, like a Bergen, for example, right? We're coming out of high school. You'd be like, well, he's kind of a tweener. Like, I don't know, size wise. And, and because of that, he becomes this major diamond in the rough, right? Glover, if he, if he's going to play linebacker, he's going to be like 6'3", 225. He's going to be enormous. And when you watch a guy move like this, 
Um, I, I mean, again, it's just he looks like a, a marquee guy. And then you add on top of it that you're hearing the moment he signed, he's giving interviews. I think he, you know, giving interviews to Louis Vacare, right, with rivals and being like, this is where I'm meant to be. This is the place, right? He's actively recruiting other guys, right? I mean, it's it's everything you want. So this was a a major get and a major win. I mean, it's funny. We were waiting. The The coaches were dropping all these cryptic celebratory tweets online, right, that they – they definitely get how big of a deal this is. And um, and it is. It, it was a great get. I mean, just for comparison, I like I wanted to pull this up. Anthony Walker Jr. is six foot one and plays at two thirty-five in the NFL. Just for right. comparison. Right. And when he was at Northwestern, I, like he weren't two through two thirty-five, right? And when he got drafted, one of the biggest questions was his, his speed and pass coverage, you look at Patty Fisher last year, right? Like all everything tackler, leader, you know, got the, the, the size to, to mix it up with anyone in the Big Ten. But that sideline to sideline speed was always the question mark. That's the difference between what we're seeing with this type of recruit. Brandon Bruss from earlier in the, in the, in the, in the cycle, like that's the difference. Yeah, if, if he and Braden Bruss are in, Braden, are in the same line – if he and Braden Brest were the same linebacker core, that's the fastest linebacker core Northwestern's ever had. I'm not saying it's the best linebacker core. Okay, like I'm not putting I, I don't that know, man. I, I, saw, I saw Barry Gardner chase a running back down from like hey, 25 I mean, yards away. I'm just, I'm, look, I'm just saying if, if we're going to take out stopwatches and do it with stopwatches, these dudes are fast. Oh, um, yeah. So, and that's not a panacea. It's not a cure-all or anything, but just to the point Scuzz started off with, um, if the goal is to start bringing him some serious sideline to sideline speed in into the linebacker core, we are doing that. So finally, um, <clears throat> you know, we've been bemoaning the fact that Northwestern doesn't have a spring game anymore, um, you know, which is a, a bummer. Uh, you know, we're, we're hearing all of these uh, recruits coming in and visiting and, um, you know, Louis Vicaire over at uh, – over at Rivals is doing a great job of, of cataloging, you know, everyone who's coming in to visit and, you know, all the, all the offers going out and, and whatnot. So quick self-aggrandizing shout out, shout out to the year. The three of us went to the spring, spring game, interviewed Kane Coulter on the field and also gave Westlot pirate t-shirts to Corey Wooten and Quentin Davey who were in the stands. That was the, the, that was a good day. Corey Wooten, Awkwardly answering questions about sacking Brett Favre was definitely the highlight <laughs> of the day for me. That that poor guy that poor guy spent probably a solid year to two years awkwardly answering questions he did not want to answer about taking out Brett Favre. But um, but yeah, he, he was he was a great guy to meet. Yeah, and it was just that was a that was a great day. Why you know? Let's bring that back. I know, but I we digress, Sam, because I know that's not where you want to go. Yeah, I mean. We, we will still, you know, stump for the return of the spring game. I mean, I, I get why we hadn't done it in the past, but like, you know, I, I don't know that there's a, a dearth of guys who are able to go, you know, I, that that's, that's another topic for another time. Um, but do want to mention that this weekend is the debut of yet another spring uh, professional football league. Uh, the USFL is uh, going to be kicking off on Saturday and there are quite a few Northwestern players uh, in the USFL, 
and you're you're going to get a chance to uh, to watch them all. Uh, Jordan Thompson uh, is playing for the Birmingham Stallions, and they get things started off on uh, Saturday evening, six thirty p.m. on both Fox and NBC. Um, USFL is a, a joint production of these two networks, which is you know interesting to see them you know two big networks playing together and you know backing uh, spring football, but you know football being just printing money, right? You know, any football content is just gold as far as the networks are concerned. So, uh, yeah, the Birmingham Stallions take on the New Jersey Generals on Saturday evening. And then Sunday, triple header. Uh, You've got Clayton Thorson and the Houston Gamblers taking on the Michigan Panthers. Uh, That game, you know, it's on Peacock, but it might be on NBC as well. Uh, You know, it's... Not quite clear looking at the USFL's website uh, exactly where that game is going to be. But, you know, if you get Peacock, it's definitely going to be there. Um, Clayton Thorson, obviously, is going to be the quarterback for the Gamblers. One of the faces of the league, yeah. Yeah. And then... uh, How how did they get away with Michigan Panthers? That's what what they were back in the early 80s. It was the Michigan Panthers. Really? Like, all these names are the names from the old USFL... Back in the early 80s. All right. Fair enough. So, I mean, some of them are really dumb. Like, but the, yeah, the, the Michigan Panthers, that that was the team. Um, yeah, I'm waiting for them to expand and bring back the Denver gold. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it actually was a pretty badass helmet. It was just like a star kind of splattered. And not splattered, but like just a, a star on a black helmet. It was, it was really cool. But uh, yeah, the Denver Gold was, you know, I was too young to know what that was, but I, I, I knew it was football. I was like, hmm, I like football. Uh, but these aren't, these aren't the Broncos. What's going on here? Yeah, I was what? I was very young. Um, but in, in any case, uh, you've got the three o'clock game on USA, Philadelphia Stars and New Orleans Breakers. Uh, Jared Thomas plays for the Breakers. Gunnar Vogel plays for the Stars. So you got uh, a little Northwestern action there. And then on 7 o'clock on FS1, the Tampa Bay Bandits and the Pittsburgh Maulers uh, get things started. So, a uh, fun little weekend of USFL football with uh, definitely a Northwestern tint to everything. So, the first thing I was going to... So, the first thing I'm going to say is, <clears throat> of the three, there, there are four games total, right? And three of the four feature Northwestern players. As of right now, I say as of right now because we just learned today that Hunter Nicewander was released by the Dallas Cowboys. And boo. I, which, which, first of all, boo. But I almost wonder Hunter Nicewander logged massive minutes in the AAF last year, right? I think it was the AAF, wasn't it? XFL, I think. Or was it the like- XFL? Okay, the XFL. Um, we get first, all these spring leagues confused, right? right. I, I, I think he was the. F- I don't understand how that's possible. <laughs> yeah, he was one of their best specialists, right? And I want to say was the first person to touch a ball in the XFL because, right? Didn't he kick off the first game? I want to say, um, but regardless, I think he's one of those guys who maybe is a little bit of a tweener, right? Where like he's on the edge of the NFL rosters, but simultaneously would be one of the best specialists in any other league. And I almost wonder 
if Dallas didn't position him to try to pick up a job. So I don't I don't know anything about that, but I'm just saying you see Hunter Nicewender kicking or punting in one for one of these teams within the next couple of weeks. Don't be surprised. Um, the other thing too is of the guys we know about, they're all going to play a bunch. All four guys. Clayton, obviously. Um, you know, Jared Thomas was drafted really high. He's obviously the starting center for the Breakers. But Vogel's, I'm, I'm almost certainly going to be the right tackle for the Stars. And don't sleep on Thompson. Thompson was like, Thompson dominated with the Seattle Dragons. What was that, like two years ago? Or the year yeah. before? Yeah, um, uh, that was uh, 2020. Right. Had, and the XFL and, had to cancel because of COVID. Right. And at the time, Thompson was doing awesome and was a guy who, you know, was a, a fringe 49ers guy. Like, he's there to the, with the Stallions to play. I think you're going to see him logging a bunch of interior defensive line minutes. I bet you he starts. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a real force in this league. So, yeah, you're, you know. You want to watch Northwestern guys this weekend. They're all going to play a lot. Well, and then the XFL is back next year, I believe. Um, yep, that's right. And it sounds like that because uh, it, it got bought by uh, The Rock, in case anybody knows d- didn't know that. Um, and they're playing. They've signed a uh, an R and D deal with the NFL. So it like actually feels like spring football might like work this time around. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll see if the XFL can make it past like week week three. Isn't that when the AAF ran out of money? Um, uh, I think it might have been week five you or think? six. The AAF yeah. ran out of money. Um, I mean, this time the we XFL think had to the XFL had to shut down because of COVID. Sorry, I said or XFL two point oh. Yeah, I meant. I meant. We'll see if the USFL can make yeah. it um, longer than the AAF did, uh, and then we'll we'll see if, if these two these two leagues can 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 operate simultaneously next year either way like this is gonna breed other opportunities for northwestern players um and that's a good thing for yeah, sure and again the... no go, go ahead, ahead sam go ahead oh, okay um i think yeah and and again we said it earlier but they're trying to position clayton as one of the faces of the league like that is a thing that is happening and if he comes out and can cook for a couple of games, like they're, you know, they're already trying to put him out front and that's only going to increase if he keeps playing well. Just, let's just not throw like a, like a, like a wide receiver throwback to the QB pass to him, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please Oof, like make ouch. him the face, but don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight, guys? Um, just briefly. I mean, obviously we, we haven't really touched on it. Spring practice, you know, was going um, they did a brief presser, right, with I think it was A.J. Hampton, Evan Hall, Peter Skaronsky. It was all pretty boilerplate, but it was it was great to see those guys out there as, you know, faces of the team starting a new season, which they all absolutely are. Um, and I think in particular Hampton, who is, you know, Hampton's, Hampton's great in public. Hampton's great in front of cameras. Hampton's great on the sidelines cheering on your sports team because he will go at the other team like no one's business. And the refs. And the refs. Ask anyone who's been to a Northwestern women's basketball game. But um, Hampton is, you know, he's a great speaker and he's great. Hearing him talk about the team and hearing him talk about the competition, especially with the young players in the secondary, was really cool to, to hear. He, he, you know, sounds like they are really getting after it and, and there's just some full-throated competition going for those jobs and that's what you want to hear. 
Uh, well, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw of Brian Field playing the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbun, Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.